I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. And with a quick turn, skipper Alex Dock slams it in. Here's Lindergaard making Forrest back pedal. Davis looking to help it into the path of Morris. He's found him via the deflection. It's Aaron Davis. He could win it. He probably has won it for Yeovil. Oh, and it's an opening goal. What a start. Madden, after just six minutes, gives Yeovil the lead. Stansfield, good turn away from Trott. Goal. Welcome to another edition of the Glovers Past from the Glovers Cast, where we speak to former Yeovil players who you want to hear from about their time with the club. This is Dave, and today we're going to take a bit of a deeper dive into the past, back to the 1988-89 season, to speak to a player who had a fairly short career in green and white, but one that's very fondly remembered by fans of that time. Guy Whittingham was a physical instructor in the army when he arrived at Yeovil in November 1988, but went on to score 18 goals in 23 appearances that season. And the story goes, and we'll get Guy to confirm or correct this, that at the end of the season, he bought his way out of the army for £450 and went on to join Portsmouth the next season, where it's fair to say he became a club legend, earning the nickname Corporal Punishment for his links with the forces and his prolific goal scoring. And from there, he went on to score four. Sorry, to make 400 appearances in his career playing for the likes of Aston Villa Wolves and Sheffield Wednesday. So joining me to talk to Guy is Steve Salden from the Yeovil Press, who watched that prolific season with Guy in the late 80s at Hewis. So firstly, guys, a great pleasure to welcome you to the Glovers cast. No, it's, it's good to be here and thanks for staying patient for, to, to get me on. Oh, no problem. Uh, yeah, Guy is a busy man. So uh, Steve and I, we've uh, yeah, we had to hang around a bit to wait for him, but it's, uh, it's worth it. Steve, welcome back. Thank you. Nice to see you both. Yeah, Steve was saying when we were off air that when we get someone of a, of a certain vintage uh, to talk to us, we always roll him out because he, re- he remembers it all. So I'm not sure that's true. We always like to have you on, Steve. Rolling being the operative <laughs> word, I think. 
Yeah, you said that. You said that, not me, right? Right. Okay. So, 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 guy. Um, back in the the summer, uh, we spoke with one of your old Yeovil teammates, Mickey Spencer, um, who told us that um, you'd not long been playing football when you joined Yeovil. The story Mick told us was that uh, you'd had a season at Waterloo, Waterlooville where you did very well, but you'd actually been playing rugby um, before that. Is that right? And and what brought on the switch to football, if that's correct? Yeah, I think um, you know back in the days when I was at school, you know during the during the seventies, the school I was at um, was a was a school that you played um, football up till October, then rugby, um, and then you looked at cricket and athletics. So uh, I was I, you know I was a decent sportsman at all those, um, and I loved I loved rugby, uh, I loved football, I loved cricket, I loved basketball, you know anything with a ball. I was out there and uh, and then even enjoyed the athletics with the running. So. Um, I suppose up until the age of 17, when I joined the army, I was playing probably a similar amount of football to rugby in school and out of school at different clubs, local village clubs and, and whatever. Um, and then when, when I joined the army, um, it was, you know, 83, that was. So, uh, first bit of, um, soldier training, you get a sports afternoon, um, you know, which invariably depending on when you were, what was going on. So I think it was, I think it was football the first where I did my training uh, for soldier training. And I went on to um, get my trade training and uh, I went, I went sports after and I went down to play football and um, there were, there were too many there. So I was told to sort off to rugby. So, <laughs> right. uh, so that's what I did. Uh, uh, and as I said, I didn't, I didn't mind that much because I loved them. I loved them all. So I was happy to go off to rugby and, and play play rugby for a while but then as you sort of progress and you start playing football you start playing cricket rugby you start getting noticed I started making the teams for all the all the different sports within my regiment Mm -hmm. um and I didn't really look into playing um you know a a non-league football team at that point not until one of the uh one of our the, the company sergeant major who was uh manager at Oxford City um, and he asked me, uh, I, I, funnily enough, I was actually playing, play, he was our cricket captain as well. So um, he saw me playing a couple of uh, um, units, unit games and, and then invited me up to Oxford City for a trial and I signed for them um, towards the end of one season. And then um, then I felt that, I think like, like anything, and I was doing that outside, outside sport rather than in the army and I didn't get that chance with rugby to go to a rugby, you know, rugby club outside the army. So then I thought, well, I'm playing, I'm playing at this, you know, which is, I think it was called the Beezer Homes then. Right, yeah, you know, yeah. Which is, which is, I think it's, a, that's equivalent to the Conference South now. That's uh, right, North. yeah. So I was playing that and thought, well, you know, I think I could probably do a bit better. And, and you know, I always like to try and um, challenge myself to see where I can play. But the, the, the army did restrict me a little bit. So I thought I was, I was at Borden, uh, which is just by Petersfield, not far from Portsmouth. Um, and I joined, uh, I joined Waterlooville. It haven't Waterlooville as it's now known, mm-hmm. um, and played and started that 18, 88, 89 season there with them. Um, and that was, you know, that was sort of six months playing at Oxford city and then, you know, obviously starting there. So when Mickey says I, I was, I was a rugby person. Yeah, I was, I was just a sports person mm-hmm. and I was playing, um, mostly rugby in the army. Um, but, but then football outside the army. Um, and then obviously went on to, to Waterloo and then joined the Oval from there. Wow. That's a, that's quite, a, that's a, an interesting insight, really, to have it, because it, it could have all gone very differently, I suppose, with you in your 
your career? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, quite quite easily. Because uh, there was also a time when, you know, I went over to Germany for two and a half years as well. You know, we were still playing rugby and, and football over there, you know, from from what, 20 till I was till I was 23. Yeah. I was um, I was out in Germany um, and played for a semi-pro club out in Germany. Um, so that was, but but I think through through that all through the through the school experiences, through rugby and football and cricket and table tennis, whatever. I think it just gave me a good um, a good rounding as a sports person with the ball. Mm-hmm. So you know, concentrating on the ball, um, being able to move your body right, and getting all the advantages of playing all those different sports I think and then taking it into football when I eventually turned pro I think that's something that's missed a little bit with young kids these days that yeah. you know if they're, if they're at a, a decent cat one cat two even cat three uh, academy in in the football world then they haven't got much time for much else um, and I really do think it benefited me as a football player to play in all those different sports mm-hmm. so how, how, did, how did the move to, to Yeovil come about can you remember how how that panned out yeah, yeah, absolutely. So um, I was playing combined services football. I'm playing for Waterlooville, and um, the, uh, the the manager of combined combined services, uh, Chris Brady, uh, knew Brian Hall quite well, um, and so he sort of tipped Brian to come and come and watch me in a couple of games, which he did. Uh, I was at Waterlooville, um, and and happy there. Uh, but then again, you know they were Beza Homes, and then you got a chance to go to the what is now the conference. So always wanted to test myself for the highest. Um, and, and because I was in the army, I wasn't on a contract. So, you know, Waterloo couldn't unfortunately do anything about it. Um, so I was able to leave uh, midway through that, that season. I think it was the end of November or middle of November, something like that. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and was able to join Yeovil. Right. Yeah. And, um, sorry, Dave. No, I was just going to say your your first. Uh, I think I'm right in saying on your, you scored on your debut, didn't you, for for Yeovil in a, a game against Altrincham, and then got another two in a. Uh, if the record books are correct, a six-two win up at, at Stafford. I mean, it seemed like goal scoring came pretty naturally to you. Is was that the case? I mean, did you you just have that knack of of, of where the goal was? I think I was uh, through through what I've been saying there about the different teams I played for. I mean, the year before I came out of the army and played for Portsmouth, I played for seven different teams at seven different levels. So I could be playing unit football for Portsmouth, where I'd probably get seven or eight chances in a game, um, and and I could I could sort of practice my finishing if you like. So it was almost like I, I didn't I hardly trained. It was, there was just so many games, two or three games a week and which I'd get opportunities. And sometimes there'd be easy opportunities where I could sort of try something else because I knew I'd get other opportunities. And other ones when I had to concentrate more on my type of finishing because it really counted, i.e. playing for Yeovil, playing for the combined services. You don't get a lot of chances in that. So I think I think that was a real benefit as well, being able to you know, get lots of practice at, at the art of goal scoring. Yeah. I must admit, I, I think the older you get, the more reminiscing you do. And then when you reminisce, you think, was it really that long ago? But obviously, <laughs> it was 34 years ago. I know, but it? at the same time, it only seems like yesterday. And I, I cannot, I was at, you know, at Hewish watching you. And I think every so often, a, a club gets a player or a striker who you think every time they, they get the ball, they're going to score. And I think you were the first striker that I can remember watching play for Yeovil Town, who I did think 
was going to score every time he got the ball. More <laughs> often than not, he did, really. Well, well that's because I only used to get the ball. I only used to get the ball in the 18-yard box. People told <laughs> me not to get involved in the build-up. Just don't, don't get involved in the build-up. Mickey Spencer came in to do that. Yeah. We used, to, we used to have a laugh about that because he's one of my good friends, Mickey. So yeah. uh, we used to have a laugh about that. And, and going back to those games, me and Mickey used to play in quite a lot of those games together, those seven different teams. And we'd have a competition in the game, not to who could score the most goals, but who could get the most uh, nutmegs. Because <laughs> right. goals, goals came natural to us, both of us, yeah, really. Yeah. Uh, and I know we went on and scored a good amount of goals for you guys. Uh-huh. So, yeah, we used to have competitions. Yeah. But it's, it's testament to, obviously, to what, what you achieved at Yeovil, that you were only there for, say, six months or so. But obviously, 34 years on, and you, and you talk to a lot of fans of my age who obviously still remember you very well from, from those days at Hewish. Yeah, I think it's another step in, in your journey as well. So, you know, I, I certainly see Yeovil as, a, as a, a, a big mark in my career because it allowed me then to, to test myself again. And then, and then obviously being able to score those 18 goals in the 23 games, it, it pricks the conscience of some people watching. Mm. You know, because you're always, you know, people go on about agents, but you're never going to get a move unless you're playing well. And in terms of a striker, you, you're going to get a move if you're scoring goals. So obviously with that, with that amount of goals in that amount of appearances, it sort of sparked some interest in football league clubs, Ports of being one of them. Mm-hmm. And then ironically, um, it was uh, it was the same, um, the same director of football or, or chairman or owner, whatever you want, had moved, who was at Waterlooville when Yeovil didn't have to give him any money, had then moved to Portsmouth. Right. And he knew me already. So then, like, Yeovil were after a bit of money and he said, well, actually, no. <laughs> he got his own back. Any. Yeah, he got his <laughs> own back in a way, yeah. Yeah. Because I, I can remember at the time, Yeovil fans were furious. <laughs> yeah, you can understand, I suppose, can't you? Yeah. You absolutely understand it. Yeah, yeah. I mean... You're the player. You you don't you know in a way you don't care because you just you know you just you know you let ever, yeah. other people deal with that. It's not really your your responsibility, you know. Yeah. But, you but no, we, we, I think we were, I think the fans were furious that we we just let you walk away. Really, I think that that's what we were really because yeah. we we only seen you for six months and we thought there's there's lots more goals to come and then you yeah, were you were there one minute and gone the next. So we was. So we, we, weren't, we weren't angry with you for going because yeah, obviously yeah. there are a slightly bigger club than Yeovil, but um, <laughs> yeah. but no, we were just disappointed to see you go. Obviously, especially it was only a couple of years after we'd let Alan Pardew go to um, Crystal yeah. Palace yeah. for five grand in that season. That season you were at Yeovil, he was scoring the winner against Liverpool in the in the FA Cup, I think, yeah. the year at later. It's a great history, yeah. isn't it? It's, the club's got a yeah. fantastic history, you know, and it's yeah. not just it's not just FA Cup now. Modern history, get, I mean, to be able to get to the championship, what an achievement that is! Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, just to get yeah. there, wow, it's just yeah. incredible. It's, it's disappointing to see where they are now, but um, you know, I know yeah. there's a lot of faithful fans around, and hopefully they'll uh, they'll rise again. I'm sure they will. Yeah, going back to Alan Pardew, it was a, it was a 1990 Cup uh, semi final against Liverpool, right? Because oh. the year before. Funny enough, I, 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 did, I did some research. I, I'm not that much of a stato to remember this <laughs> off the top of my head. But I know you made your debut for, for Yeovil against it, it, Barnet. Yeah. We, we lost that game 2 0. But the, the return fixture with Barnet, Yeovil won 2 0, and you and Mickey scored. 
Yeah. But that was the same day as Hillsborough. Oh, right. Okay. Wow. I, I also remember that because Barry Fry tapped me up in that game as well. <laughs> right. <laughs> Something you always remember. There's yeah. a wheeler dealer for you. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. I, I mean, one thing that we've had this season, Guy, is um, playing Weymouth again because we hadn't played him yeah. for such a number of years. And we were looking back, we played him three times this season now, twice in the cup and once in the league. And we were looking back at the last time we we won um, down at their place. And it was yeah. New Year's Day. I uh, know, Boxing Day, was I it? think it was. Was it when we were there? When I yeah, was when there. you were there and you, you wow, scored I, the I, second I, in a win. Yeah, I remember, I remember bits of that game for sure. Yeah. I know it's like 30 odd years ago, but you yeah. do remember. You remember the crowd. You remember Pete Conning, I remember from then yeah. as well. You know, up against him, it was a, uh, it was uh yeah, it was a, and was it two and a half thousand there, something like that? It was a big crowd. Would have been. Yeah, there. it was always a popular fixture. Yeah. For the yeah. Sure. And I mean, that must have been one of the first sort of derbies you come because, as you say, you'd been in the army combined for. I mean, what was that like as an experience of two groups of, uh, you know, two clubs and two groups of fans who maybe didn't like each other that much? <laughs> yeah, the, the, I suppose. Yeah, I think, um, you know, I think I've always been able to, as a player, not not put it out of my, out of my mind, but put it to the back of my mind with the, the crowd. I think you have to, in a way, um, because you don't want them to influence how you're playing. you just got to get on with how you're playing. Because mm. you can be influenced. The crowd is shouting your name all the time. You could think you're like you're the bee's knees and drop off a bit. Yeah. Or you could be put off by the fact that, you know, opposition are, are not liking you very much. I, I always felt if the opposition are, are having a pop at you, then you're doing something right for your team. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you, you mentioned Mickey as well, Mickey, Mickey Spence. I mean, one thing that he did tell us when we spoke to him was that you uh, got him to join Yeovil back in um, yeah. that, that season as well. You, you recommended him to Brian All, is that right? Yeah, I did. Um, we, we'd formed a, a really good partnership uh, in, uh, in the army and the combined services team. Um, and uh, I just felt that, I think I think he was at Woking at the time. Wokingham, yeah, um, he said, yeah. Yeah, Wokingham, sorry, yeah. Wokingham yeah. Town, so, yeah. Um, yeah, so uh, again, um, plus I needed somebody to share the driving with. It was costing too much money. To drive well, down. Fu funnily <laughs> enough, he said, he, he told us, he said, uh, and then he jumped ship and joined Portsmouth and I had to do the 100 miles on my own, he said. So yeah, <laughs> he was complaining, so he wasn't very yeah. happy about that. <laughs> Yeah, very true. Yeah. And uh, I'm just looking at the questions here, guys. <laughs> no problem. He's got so, the So when, when that, that season you were at Yeovil, you, you, you scored, I think, I think you scored both goals in the, where was it, 2-1, 2-0 game away at Welling. And so did you know by, by that stage that you were you're going to be heading to Portsmouth or was it still... You didn't really know what was happening, and there was a chance that you could have stayed at Yeovil, or were you looking yeah, to, no. to move on? During uh, during that season, um, and it was just after uh, Christmas time, a uh, the the guy who coached our unit team, a guy called Chris Ede, his son was down at uh, was down in the um, what Centre of Excellence, I think it was called there, not the Academy Centre of Excellence, down at Portsmouth. And um, he he'd taken him down and was watching him train. I think he was in, in the under twelve side. And, and Alan Ball, it was just before Christmas, and Alan Ball was there watching training because he was just a football nut, Alan Ball. Um, and, he's, and he mentioned to him, well, I've got two guys in the army. You need to, you need to come up and watch. And then um, I didn't know this at the time. And then, uh, then he gets the sack. Um, 
But then I get a, a, a call from uh, from John Gregory, who'd taken over as manager, right. just then in, in inviting me down. He'd come up to see a game unbeknownst to me watching uh, at the Daily Ground at, uh, at Borden, where we where we played our, our core games and just just sort of called and said, you know, he'd like to invite us down for a trial. So I'd, I'd had... I'd had a couple of trials games towards the end of the season down at uh, down at Portsmouth. So, uh, so I knew they were interested. Um, I knew there was a possibility, but there was also um, there was also a couple of other other clubs that were, were quite interested as well. Swindon were really interested. Right. But um, yeah, but I think because Portsmouth as a football club showed the first interest and had contact with the the, the, uh, the manager, that was where I went. Right. And, and was it correct you had to buy yourself out the army, or is that something the club yeah, had, did? Yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. Originally, I had to buy myself out. Uh, Portsmouth did give me the money back. <laughs> yeah, I bet they did. Yeah. But I did. Yeah. I did after. I did after instigate all that. Yeah. Yeah, but you went up, and they were second division at the time, weren't they, Portsmouth? Yeah, old second division. So mm. second level championship is called now. So yeah. again, um, you know, wanting to test yourself at the highest level you possibly could. Yeah. yeah. I think that's what Yeovil fans were angry about. Why? Why Yeovil hadn't paid paid the four hundred and fifty quid? But I, I well, listen, to, to be fair, they they did. Brian always trying. Um, right. You know, he, he he did try. They wanted to buy me out of the army. They wanted me to come out in the army and be a full time at Yeovil. Um, you know, they were they were talking about. You know, there's some houses down here that are being built. We can get you one mm. of them. You know, so they were trying. To be fair to them. Was it was he a good manager, Brian Brian Hall? Yeah, I think he was. Um, I think he was one of those where you you really want somebody who gives you um, gives you confidence, um, and you you gain that confidence because he sees how you're playing and understands how you're playing, um, and he doesn't guess at what you're doing, and he doesn't guess at how he thinks he can get get you to improve, um, and he told you as it was. I think right. all players want a manager that tells you as it is. Mm, yeah. And that, how, how did you get on with the Hewish slope? Oh, I loved it. Yeah, yeah no, I loved clearly. it. Yeah, no, clearly, yeah, absolutely. I think um yeah, it was uh was it was it do you think it's a big advantage? I'm not I'm not sure how big an advantage it used to be. It depends how how teams came and um and wanted to I suppose think about the game or think about well this this slope this year. More psychological, was it? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, mm. yeah, yeah. And that was interesting. I must admit, I was at I was at uh, journalism college in late nineteen ninety at Highbury College at Cosham. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So I came no. and watched you a few times at, at Port Pompey when I was down there. I was down there for three months. But there was one game in particular I remember. You probably don't really want to remember. It, it was against Chelsea in the League Cup replay. Yeah, lost, you, yeah, yeah. And you you scored an overhead kick. <laughs> Yeah, I think that was the only one I scored in my career where I got it right. Anyway, yeah, and you put Pompey two 0 up, and then Chelsea scored three in the last ten minutes or something to win. Yeah, yeah. that was a that was a hostile night as well. Yeah, well, well, there's not there's not much love lost between Pompey fans and Chelsea fans. No, that's for sure. no, I I, I found that out that night. <laughs> but, but I went in, I went with a group of other students from Highbury College, and one of them was a Chelsea fan. And right. we were stood in, in amongst the Pompey boys. Oh dear! And he did not say a word for the entire game. Not a word. Sensible. I, yeah. Sure it, yeah. <laughs> it wasn't until we got back to the car, about a mile away from the ground, that he sort of let rip. Started <laughs> cheering. Yeah. Yeah. I don't blame him for that. 
Yeah. But game received 1990. What's that? That's 32 years yeah. ago. Oh, yeah. yeah. Just looking again at the record books, guy, 92-93, you scored 47 goals for Portsmouth, which is, I think, is still a, is still a record. I mean, uh, what what was that season like? To score forty seven goals in a season is just unheard of. Well, in in the modern game, it's just it's crazy. That must have been quite a campaign for you. Uh, well, obviously it was. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's forty two in the league, and, and funnily enough, as you're speaking about it now, it's uh, Mitrovic is uh, is well on the way to uh, to beating that that record at a, 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 a the second level because I right. think. Um, Ivan Tony got the record for the championship when it was re- rebranded to 31. So he's just caught that up. Right. I think he's got 16 more games left to get 11 more goals. So uh, I think uh, I think he'll do it. I think he'll do it. I think he's doing an incredible job um, yeah. to uh, to be able to score that amount of goals in what is a relentless league now that that uh, that it was when you guys were there. It's just never ending, you know, game after game after game. The physical demands on players are so high now. Um, and, and similar to that season, you know, the 47 goals, I think, came in 50 games. Mm-hmm. So a lot of games, um, you know, it's and it, and it was one of those where it, and I suppose it was I don't know whether they're having those hundred games three or four seasons earlier for seven different teams helped me cope and not be injured um, during that time, possibly. But, mm-hmm. uh, but the biggest thing was playing alongside some great players in that side. You had Paul Walsh, you had Mark Chamberlain, Alan McLaughlin. You know, some, some, and that's just three of them, you know, mm. that stand out that, that are just, you know, I, I was, I was a striker that sort of preyed on mistakes by defenders, but also needed uh, goals or, or opportunities to score chances created for me. Cause I just used to hang around that six yard box and hope the ball would come my way. Um, you know, and, and, and as a striker, I say in commentary now with Portsmouth that, that you can afford to gamble. You know, as a striker, as a forward, you can afford to gamble on stuff because if it doesn't come off, then, you know, there's no real harm done. But defenders can't. If they gamble and get it wrong, there could be a possibility of a chance to somebody and somebody scoring. So that's that's what that season was about. Gambling, having good players around you, staying fit. Yeah. yeah. Go on, Dave, sorry. No, I was just going to say, is it right uh, uh, that you, the Portsmouth, still missed out on automatic promotion on goal scored, even though you got forty-seven? Yeah, it was the it was the year where they decided to do it on goal scored, not right. goal difference. And our goal difference was better than West Ham. Yeah, but we missed out on 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 goal uh, goals for by one goal. One yeah, goal. Jim Smith always blamed me for missing two penalties, <laughs> even though I've got forty-two in the league. <laughs> Can't play some people, can you? No, I know, I know, yeah. <laughs> That's incredible, isn't it? Yeah, I, I mean, it's, it is incredible. If you think, you know, you look at Fulham now with Mitrovic, the amount of goals he's mm. scoring, you know, they're, they're going to get automatic promotion, no problem. And, and ordinarily, anybody think they would do. And Paulson would have done if they hadn't just done that, um, done that swap of goals for instead of uh, goal difference. Yeah. yeah. To, to some of the games I can remember from that era of Pompey were, were obviously the, the cup semi-finals uh, with with Liverpool, yeah. which obviously yeah. we played in. I know I can remember, and I was watching them purely as a, a Guy Whittingham fan. Well, I was watching them as well because I didn't play in them. <laughs> I came on a sub in both of them. Oh, right, right. yeah, yeah. yeah. 
But obviously, yeah, because you did run them really close, didn't you? Yeah, especially the first one at Highbury. Obviously, we were, you know, two went up with four minutes to go. And then yeah. uh, then they equalised. Yeah, it's, uh, it, was, uh, it was a great, great experience. Again, you know, um, being a player that had come from grassroots, non-league, into, you know, championship as it is now, League One as it was then, or Division Two as it was then, rather. Um, to play against, you know, a team such as Liverpool was was just a great experience. And the Pompey fans, you know, absolutely loved it, of course. And all the ticker tape at Highbury will be remembered in lots of people's minds. Yeah. And then, obviously, a few years later, in the semi-final game for Wickham. Yeah. Yeah, incredible, really. Well, incredible, I suppose, right at the end of my career. Um, that, um, you know, although I... I think I was I signed for them in the in the in the was it February something like that February beginning of March, as the transfer window used to be then, um, and I wasn't cup tied, you know, right. and they they got through to the semi final, so I was on a, I was on a you know move to to uh, to Wickham where I'd play in another semi final against Liverpool again. It was uh, you know I just a gate crashed really. That's what I did, and again came on as a sub. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, some I imagine all, all through your career, Portsmouth Villas, Sheffield Wednesday Wolves, and um, obviously you say Wickham there at the end. You you'll have some amazing memories. I mean, what would you would you pick out, and and where does Yeovil rank in terms of that short spell at Yeovil? Where does it rank in terms of everything that you achieved in your career as a player? Yeah, I think it's uh, certainly fond memories because I think um, I think. You know, again, it was a stepping stone on my career to be a professional. And that's what I, that's what I'd always wanted to be as a kid, as a lot of kids do. Um, you know, is just to go to another level and prove that you can be successful. And, and, and I suppose in a way, not just prove you can score goals, but go and get quite a few goals, which gives you the confidence then that certainly gave me the confidence, that, you know, to go to Portsmouth and, and think that I can I can score goals at that level as well. And then obviously... Scoring goals at that level gave me the confidence to go to the Premier League and think you could score goals. Not so many, but I still scored goals. Yeah. yeah. Um, and what what stands out, I suppose, yeah, I suppose uh, I remember back to that Barnet game, um, scoring the goals, and then Barry Fry tapping me up. Um, <laughs> you know, because then you think, oh, you know, because he was renowned then yeah. for for yeah. finding gems, you know. So and he still is now. Uh, he's got a real track record of it, hasn't he? Yeah. Um, and then obviously, you know, the big games of Portsmouth, um, you know, stand out. Uh, big games for, for Sheffield Wednesday, debut for Aston Villa. You know, the, the first home game was QPR at home. And it was the days when you only had three subs. Right. In fact, I think, was it three or two? Anyway, I was I was one of the subs. And I, I was on the sideline thinking, you know, I had Daley Nackinson in front of me, Dwight York, Dean Saunders. I'm thinking, how the hell am I going to get into this team? <laughs> <laughs> You know that stands out. Uh, yeah, some 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 great games, um, some some great clubs I went to. And, you know, I'm very lucky to be able to have done it at a late stage in my career, having been 24 when I was when I turned professional. Yeah. And and to think though that right at the start, if 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 things had taken a different turn, you could have been a rugby player. <laughs> no, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, a couple of couple of good friends of mine in the army and before in the army. Um, you know, played for Gloucester, played for uh, London Irish, um, you know, and, and they said to me, they, they thought, you know, there was, I could have done it, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. rugby, professional rugby as well, but yeah, I never went down that route. Uh, Certainly so, not cricket. 
I, there was definitely a, a, a sport that I thought I was quite good at. I went for trials with Gloucester, um, for Gloucestershire. And uh, Sid Lawrence was bowling the other end. He was, right. I think he was 13 or 14. He put a couple around my head and I thought, nah. No, not for I'm me, not this. <laughs> yeah, not this professional cricket. Like, I'm not doing that. Yeah. I guess then yeah. even the hardest cent- uh, non-league centre-offs don't throw balls at your head, do they? So, uh, no. Yeah, well, I was able to run away from them. Yeah, that's that true. <laughs> <laughs> I never allowed them to catch me. Yeah. So, so when you finished playing, obviously you were, you were, I think you were playing manager at Newport, weren't you, in the Isle of Wight? Yeah, yeah. How, how, did, how did you like going from being a player into like the coaching management setup? It was something I'd always wanted to do. Um, I certainly wanted to be a coach. I'd done my coaching qualifications while I was still playing and had my A licence by the time I retired. So it was, I knew it was something I wanted to do. At the end of that, that season, when I finished at Portsmouth, before I went to uh, Newport, Isle of Wight, I had the chance to go down extra as a player come coach. Um, but it was, you know, I wasn't going to get, I wasn't going to move down there. My family was settled in Portsmouth. So I just felt it was, it was too far to go at that stage. I'd done the most of the traveling. Newport Isle of Wight gave me the opportunity to be a player coach. Um, right. So I took that and it was, I was working for the PFA then. So I was a coach developer, coach educator then as well. Um, so it gave me a chance to put into practice, I suppose, what I was, what I was preaching to ex-players, players and, and academy players um, with all the coaching qualifications they were doing. So, yeah, I, I was pleased I went into it. It's something I always want to do. It's something, on, you know, looking back, that's gave me a good grounding in management as well, dealing with players. And players are the same whatever level you're playing at. It's just the zeros at the end that, that are different. You know, the number of zeros at the end of the paycheck is, is what's the difference. They, they all want to play. They all get up to the same things. The change rooms are pretty much the same. You'll get some that have the real desire to do well. Others just see it as a hobby. Yeah, and I think that's at all levels. But it gave me a, a good start to understand that sort of thing. Yeah. And you had a, you had a spell at um, Portsmouth as well. Is that right? As uh, caretaker, was it caretaker manager you were there? Caretaker, well, caretaker, and then I was permanent manager as well. Which right, was right. Just over 12 months altogether. Um, yeah, the, the, I think it was the, the second administration they'd been in since I'd gone back and started with the 21s that are now the 23s, as, as we know them. Um and uh, I've been caretaker, caretaker charge um, probably about 18 months before for a couple of weeks, but didn't feel ready enough. Uh, and, then, and then this time around, when I got asked to do it, the club, the club were in a bad way, um, you know, with, with, with financial problems and, and the fact that, you know, wasn't quite sure whether the club would survive. Um, so, you know, having, having a good affinity with Portsmouth, I felt it was good to take the caretaker role and also, also bring in, you know, Alan McLaughlin and Alan Knight, who knew the club inside out and had a great affinity with the club as well. I thought it was just right for that moment in time. Um, and we get through the end of the season, we get relegated with our minus points anyway. Uh, and then, and then I'm asked to be permanent manager, which, which was an honour. Um, and felt that, you know, with, with what I've been told, with the promise that I've been given that, you know, I'd be given, you know, at least 18 months because I said to him, you know, you, you, you haven't got a true reflection of you as a manager until you've had three transfer windows. Right. I think that, that allows you then to get, you know, a side and players you want. Um, and we, we finished, we finished the season, haven't got relegated with three players on our books and they were all under 20. So, you know, then having to bring in another 15 or so players just to get a, a squad of some sort together was, was a hard task. 
Um, they put a limit on the amount of money you could pay a player. Uh, we couldn't buy anybody. So tough times. Had to try and search the search the world, really search the country for for a, a splattering of good old pros and some young lads that you think might have missed opportunities somewhere at academies and wanted another chance. Uh, and then by November it was all over. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, uh, they, they decided that because we were, I think we were, I think we were seven points off a of playoff and five points off relegation zone, uh, middle of November, which is nothing. You know, nice. still got the transfer window in January to come. Um, you know, and, and, I, and I backed myself um, at the time, and I think in a way it's proven right that they took four years to get out of League League Two. So you know, with the chopping and changing they did. Hey, but look, they were they were fans that took over the club ultimately. They were fans with money, you know, and 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 I am, and the, all the supporters and the club's very thankful that they came in and kept the club together and managed to get us out of that situation. Um, but I, but I'd hoped they'd been a bit more patient. But obviously, they had other ideas, um, and that's football. And I think you know, as a, when you step into a management spot, you know, you know, you're going to get the sack sooner or later. You know, um, at one club you're at, so you know, you you go in there with your eyes open. But I, I thoroughly, I thoroughly enjoyed the whole thing. Absolutely, thoroughly enjoyed the whole thing. It was a great experience. I was gonna, I was just gonna say, how stressful is it being a, being a manager? It's yeah. I, I don't think, I don't think you you really know unless you have been. Mm. You know, it's it's one of those that everything that happens at the football club you worry about, and you worry constantly because it's it's on your shoulders. Yeah. You know that's it. The results are on your shoulders. You could be, you could have a plan in mind, but you know you you've got to be winning games. You've got to be to be able to have any longevity in it. It's uh, yeah. and it's you know even as a I'd spent time as a as a number two um, under Steve Cottrell, and you're not you haven't got any of the responsibility whatsoever. Yes, you know there's pressure on you to win games because you want to do well. Um, the manager puts pressure on you when he asks your opinion, and you've got to be truthful about it. But you don't really feel it like the manager at all. No. Do you think football fans like ourselves maybe could uh, could do with realizing that you know put ourselves in the shoes of of what a manager is feeling? No, yeah, I think you've got football fans have got every right to demand what they want. You know, I think uh, they are football fans. Football fans are the only ones in in the world of football that are dedicated to their club. You know, no, nobody else is. The manager will be wise there, but he will be somewhere else later. Yeah. So the fans, I think, have got have got every right to demand what they demand. And and now did, I think, did, go on, Steve. Sorry. Yeah, I was going to say, did, did your army background help you? Is it in management? I think it helped me in management and as a player. Certainly, right. from a discipline point of view. You know, certainly from that point of view. Um, from a from a manager's point of view, yeah, I think so. Again, just just on um, expectation and behaviours, uh, you know, making it clear, you know, what you want players to do. I think uh, I think I benefited from my from my army career. Yeah, yeah, and I think I'm right saying now, got you're now a football coach, uh, football development coach. Is that right for the FA? Yeah, so tell us about that role. Okay, so so my main role is uh, I lead on the pro license, so I'm the um, lead coach on the pro license course, which is the which is the one all all managers have to have in the in the Premier League and certainly through the EFL. You want it on your CV if you're going to get employed. Um, so I lead that course, um, 
and I also um, I also support coaches in academies from their uh, getting their qualifications. So my two clubs I go into the academies are Chelsea and Spurs. Okay. Um, in there in there once a week, uh, working at working from the 23s all the way down to the under nines, and it's it's a real breath of fresh air to see you know under nines training sessions and playing games, you know, and then and then on the other scale helping out you know Frank Lampard on his pro license or. You know, whoever's, you know, Stephen Gerrard was on it a couple of years ago. You know, guys working at that level uh, down to the under nines coach at Chelsea or Spurs. It's it's a great, it's a great thing to do. Love my job. Um, people ask me quite a few times, would you would you get back into management? I don't think I'll get the opportunity, but I certainly wouldn't do it because no. I've got I've got the best of all worlds now. You know, to be able to go, be able to go with, you know, managers that are working in the football league. Um go into the changing before the game half time at the end of the game because they're on the pro license you want to see them working you want to see you want to get a good idea of what they're like working with their players that's just uh you know and then and then being able to do that organizing your own diary as well you know in football being able to organize your own diary and not be a victim of uh, not being a victim of results but fixtures as well yeah. you know having to organize your life around fixtures it's just uh yeah it's uh, it's a great job and I'm loving it yeah. Have you come across anyone with a with a Yeovil connection? You mentioned the Chelsea Academy. There's Jimmy Smith, who was a Yeovil player for the past couple of seasons, is now in the Academy Chelsea. You ever come you come across him in that role? No, I haven't come across him yet, as yet. No. Um uh but previous players yeah. uh, working for the FA, Steve Rutter used to work for the FA. Oh, of course, um, yeah. Steve used to lead this lead the course before I did, a few years before I did. He led the pro license as well. Right. Um did in touch with Mickey. Um, yeah, there's, there's there's several that I don't see that often now, I must admit. Yeah. Steve, we're coming to the end of this now, so I'm going to have to uh, let you uh, let you ask anything else that you want to ask, because I can't let you turn down this opportunity. <laughs> oh, no, I, was, I was just going to say, Guy, obviously uh, you'd be more than welcome to pop down to Hewish Park anytime in the future to see a Yeovil game. I'm sure, I'm sure some of the so the vintage fans will um, remember you from. I was, from yeah, I've been, I've been down there quite a few times. Um, right. because um, uh, Terry, Terry Skibton's done the course with us, of course, um, you know, and, and managers previously have done courses with us. So, um, you know, I've, I've been down there, I've been back there lots of times, uh, to see training. My, my lad's actually at Aldershot, uh, Alfie. Oh, right. of course, yeah, so yeah. I was looking forward to see, to see when that game is, but it, um, yeah, I think I think it's gone past. And have you played Old Shot? At, at, not at, a Yeovil, no. I think it's around Easter time that we've got. Okay. We played him at Old Shot, but not not Yeovil. Yeah, yeah. I look to see. Uh, he's on loan at Haven at the moment, but I'll, okay. another coincidence. Yeah. Uh, playing for a team that I played for, but I'll, I'll look to see what the fixture is and see if Pompey got a fixture the same day. And uh, if they haven't, and, and he's back at Old Shot, then I'll then I'll come down for sure. Yeah. And what what do you think? Jewish Park not quite the same as the slope, is it? No, no, not quite the same. I've I've been there a couple of times with Portsmouth as well when they've played there, um, yeah. and I've been doing the commentary. Um, a lot smarter though, a lot smarter. Yeah. You have to say. Yeah. yeah. Well, I suppose. Uh, um, yeah. Just just coming to an end then 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 guy. Well, firstly, thanks very much for speaking to us and sharing all of those memories. I suppose if you had one final thing to say to you know, Yeovil Town fans of of all different ages and people who remember you and people who have learned about you from this conversation. I mean, what would what would you say to to Yeovil Town fans out there about 
you've spoken about your memories, but what would yeah. be your sort of parting message to them, if you like? I think I think just the status of the club, uh, and and I know you can get embroiled in things aren't going so well, but the big picture is it's a, it's a great club, uh, lots of history, uh, both from a while ago and recent, uh, and to never give up that you know things that that'll come back again, you know, because I think that's a good thing about football, isn't it? You know, you look at the Premier League now compared to 20 years ago, the teams that will come up and back and some you'd never, ever think will be there. Brentford, just incredible. You know, some teams that have got there now and holding their own and, you know, never never to stop dreaming. I think that's what we do as fans, don't we? Always dream that things will always get better. Um, and that's, you know, that's a big thing I'd say to to, to any fan, but especially Yeovil fans with, with the success you've had the in the past is it can come back. Yeah. And... Right. I, totally and yeah, absolutely. And there will be Weymouth, yeah? That's right. This this Easter Monday oh, will be absolutely. Weymouth. absolutely. Yeah. yeah, for sure. <laughs> Brilliant. Guy, well, it's been an absolute pleasure speaking to you. Thanks very much for doing it. And Steve, thanks for sharing all your memories as well. Pleasure. Thank you. And, um, and yeah, well, thank you everyone for listening and I hope you've enjoyed that. And if you've, you have any other uh, Yeovil Town players from the, uh, the club's past that you want us to speak to, drop us a line, let us know who they are and we'll do our very best to try and get hold of them as well. So, yeah, Guy, thanks once again. Now, my pleasure. Great to speak to you guys. And with a quick turn, skipper Alex Dock slams it in. There's Lindergaard making Boris backpedal. Davis looking to help it into the path of Morris. He's found him by the deflection. It's Aaron Davis. He could win it. He probably has won it for Yeovil. Oh, and it's an opening goal. What a start. Madden, after just six minutes, gives Yeovil the lead. Stansfield, good turn away from Trott. Goal.